Hello, dear listener. I just want to alert you um, to the presence in the world of another book. And don't worry, I'm not going to talk any more about 1923. For now, I'll probably mention it uh, fairly soon. No, this is uh, another book that is incredibly dear to my heart that has been released uh, at roughly the same time as 1923. The 1989 Blue Road Book. Now, uh, it's a new departure for the Cycling Almanac, for the Road Book. Uh, we have decided that as 2018 was year zero when the Red Road book came into existence, that we would start retrofitting history and go back in time sporadically. And we have decided to start with the greatest ever year of road racing, which was 1989, of course, illuminated by the uh, closest ever Tour de France on the Champs-Élysées, the, the finish between Laurent Fignon and Greg LeMond. Basically, if you're familiar with the Red Book, the Blue Book does exactly the same job, but for a historical year, setting into context what racing was like back then and also what was going on in the world. We've got some amazing stories. It was the fall of the Berlin Wall. It was Tiananmen Square. Everything was happening in the world. We've got contributions from key players who have sent enlightening material into the, the, the road book for us, like Cathy Lamond, who was with Greg the whole way round France. She's written for the road book. And so too has Pippa York, who won the Kellogg's Tour of Britain that year. Um, it's a phenomenal bit of work, edited by my good friend, uh, the, uh, the, the, the unrepeatable uh, force of nature that is uh, Matt Rendell. And... Just for you, Never Trace Fire listeners, uh, we've got a 15% discount on offer across the entire Roadbook collection. So that's all the possible red books, our first blue book and merchandise. The offer expires at the end of the Tour de France on the 30th of July. Um, so it's a special Tour de France offer just for you. And the code to enter, if you go to roadbook.co.uk, is NSF15. NSF15. Get involved. We were just remembering the first, not Never Strays Far, obviously, because that's a whole no, different. No. But the um, maybe not the forerunner of Never Strays Far, the 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 lost and lamented ITV Tour de France podcast. That I don't know what happened to it. Really, it just crawled into a corner and died, didn't it? But anyway, your first ever day. It was the for catalyst, ITV. wasn't it? Though, in a way, for me, beco- becoming part of the Never Strays Far podcast. Literally, without that. You I would never have yeah. made it yeah. but to it the height your of yours and David's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but it was also your first day like working for the media. Ever. One of my first podcasts. Was it? One of, yeah, I think. I think. You must have done some like really cringy co- corporate kind of like Sky Team Sky podcasting nope. and all no, that. No, because it was really quite still quite new then. Yeah, I suppose it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, the first day first tour, wasn't it? Yeah. And you you but you you loved it, didn't you? Because you the just suddenly, was re- yeah. Great. All of a sudden, you could just be yourself. Rendell. Rendell. Yeah. With his like really bad mi- microphone discipline. Oh yeah. You like that? I was just constantly lifting up his arm, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt, because he's just waving it around like this. Uh, just sort of catching like. Just I seen Rendell said something on Twitter about me actually recently. Did he? No. Nice. No, I didn't really say something. I don't know. It's very Rendell. <laughs> don't hear from him in like almost a year. A week before the tour, he just pops up on Twitter. He. Matt's being really random at the moment. Is he? Like in a good way. Oh, yeah? Because he's just his... Um, oh, yeah. I Can I give a plug to his book, actually? Alejandro Val- his book about Alejandro Valverde, The Green Bullet, oh. has been published. And um, knowing... Well, I've seen bits of it because he's been telling me about it. It's um, immaculately researched and quite edgy as well. Bearing edgy. in mind he used to work for Movistar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. 
What did he say? Matt Rendell, naughty boy. At Pete Kenyuk, rumours that stage you. 20 of the tour has a climb called Fat Pete. Watch out. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's doing his Tour de France research now, isn't he? Going through stage by stage. <sighs> so he's looking at all the climbs. Yeah. He just knows everything about it, doesn't he? Like yeah. the, the amount of research he does is yeah. quite something, isn't it? It is. It's um, it's all inspiring, and it's. Uh, it oh, I can't believe it's about to be the. Anyway, I should set the scene. I can't really. We're in a noisy car park outside Saltburn. I just got to stand up. Let's see if I can see. Saltburn uh, Huntcliffe School, um, which is, yeah, school outside Saltburn in the northeast, um, waiting for uh, the national championships to happen. Yeah, just done a bit of TV work, haven't we? That was weird, wasn't it? Very weird. <laughs> it was like, well, you said actually, didn't you? Going back. <coughs> so on the first rest day, I think. No, I don't know when it's it on running. the ship. Oh, you're talking about this? What are you talking about? Well, oh, yeah, no, I was just explaining what TV work we've just done. Oh, right, go on. So at some point during the Tour de France coverage, I think it's going to be, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it because Chris is an excellent producer. They're going to take it in the edit suite. They've done a lot of filming and we'll do some more tomorrow for the ITV Tour de France thing on you and Trinity, basically. And development teams. And the development team. Yeah. Which is quite cool. Really cool. It's not a subject that we've ever done before. It was really funny. The, w- the two worlds completely collided today, though, because TV takes a bit of time, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's a, quite a bit of faffing and oh, to get horrible. the right shot. And as a director and, and teams in general, it's a complete opposite. It's all, everything's fast. Yeah. Get out the, and the language is completely different. Yeah. I don't know what they're like. Well, on set, yeah, everyone's lovely and polite, but... Yeah. In the car and with staff, it's very direct. Yeah. And there's no police and fankies. It's like, we're here, get out now, go. think <laughs> Chris thought, I was like, you know, I don't know, had some, had it in for him, but it's just, it, the language is completely different. Well, even because I, I was roped in, I've been, I'm up here working for the, you know, the ITV's coverage of the British National Championships, but I've got a ha- afternoon off, so I've been roped in to sort of help out asking you questions. And I was interviewing some of your riders as well, and you were trying to, you were trying to wrap it up and get the riders out oh, of the yeah. sun and like so that they could you know focus on what they're here for so i got the proper little ds glare from you yeah, a little glare, bit like, yeah guys guys we need to wrap this up because it just doesn't matter does it these guys are here to race and yeah you've had I your know. time now it's time to i go. know but it's just a bit weird oh, okay. so that was one weird thing that pete's giving me the ds glare so you know i didn't need that in my life no. but anyway i understand no it, but i didn't need that. that no i didn't need the ds glare and then, I'm, then I have to do a long set-piece interview with you about Trinity Racing. <laughs> took a couple of minutes to get and the first ball question. rolling, didn't it? <laughs> the first question was, what is Trinity Racing? And we had a few... Tr- I just have... Like, so <laughs> I know weird. what it is, but I don't know what it is. It's like a continent... Yeah, it's a continental team, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what unsettled you was having to like, look at me and say it seriously. And, like, and mm. proper, that, was, that was just weird. That just took me back to sort of doing interviews with riders and things like that. It's, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Like a lot of team managers would know, like obviously the ins and outs exactly what the team is. But I'm so focused on doing everything else, and that's mm. what I care about. That I don't even take time. Even the races we go to, you know, when people know the 1.1s or 2. Point whatevers, I just turn up to the race and just focus on the race. And I'm not even really that aware of what classification the race is. Well, it's also it's complicated, isn't it? I don't get it. <laughs> Does anyone understand? I don't it? know. That's a two point one. Two point. What are you talking uh, about? At a certain point, when it goes to one point something, you can use radios. That's all I know. What is that point? One. Pr- one point pro, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, have you been anyway? Good. Yeah. When did we last speak? God, I don't know. We did a little thing. 
During the Dauphiné, didn't we, briefly? We caught up with you. You were at home, I think, watching the Dauphiné. Yeah. It just wasn't a very interesting Dauphiné, so there wasn't a great Wasn't it? <laughs> Jonas was too good, wasn't he, old Yoni? Too good for everyone. This last month has just flown by, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I'm trying, oh, Baby Jira, wasn't it? That's yeah. That was great. Tell us a little bit about that, because that was a... RCS. First year they've organised it. Did they organise it well? Really well. Oh. Real, honestly, it was just... It was great to be a part of. Full stop. The whole race. Nice hotels. Yeah, decent hotels. Transfers were okay. Yeah. Um, and it just felt... It really did... I mean, every every under 23, it's like the creme de la creme of their season. It's what, yeah. where they want to be. It's where they want to race. But... And it was good to actually go there and it feel like it was a step up also in yeah. organisation and... The, even the stages, they were just class roads, brilliant parkour. They went up the Stelvio one stage. It was yeah, just that was the day that half the peloton were holding onto the wing mirrors. Yeah, that, and that was also great. Uh, and I don't know if it's because after the YouTube stuff came out and the Twitter stuff, because we got a new communicator at 11 o'clock yeah. with all the riders that had been... 24? Yeah, where that, like they weren't originally on the original communicator at okay. 6 o'clock after the stage. Yeah. And it was great, yeah, go home. That's the highest form of cheating, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's laziness. It's and there's just there's no room for it, and especially the directors who let it happen. Come on, they're they're the biggest part in this. And it's six of them got chucked off, didn't a, they? Yeah, well. and it's just mm. embarrassing. So that happened. How often have you seen that in your career? Oh, loads. Yeah. <laughs> I raced in Italy, didn't I? As an amateur. Do you think is it a bit old school though? Like it's culture, isn't it? That's just what they do. But uh, is it like I thought I thought it was a bit like ten I, years ago. I thought it was actually as well. Until the baby Giro, that's the first time I've yeah. seen it all, all year. Yeah. It's very, it happens in Italy a lot. Well, there was one stage at the Giro, and I think, you know, I spoke about it with, with Matt Stevens when I was doing the, you know, the Giro things where, I, I, I don't know. There was a stage that finished in Ivan Basso's hometown in the middle week. And, you know, Basso's the general manager of Aeolo Cometa. Oh, yeah. And the stage started as they dropped out the Alps and they had to go up that massive pass it's quite a gradual climb, but it's like 45 kilometres, drag, 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 Simplon Pass, up and over that, and it was peeing with rain, it was windy and wet, massive break got away, like over 20 riders, and the bunch sat up, and they were flying, because it was a tailwind at the front of the race, and... One of the riders happened to... The, the, no, the gap, the, the Aeolo committed missed it, there okay. were over 20 riders, but this is the day they had to be in the break, and the gap got up to three and a half, four minutes, and then two of them... Got across... <laughs> chinned off the front and the camera at the front of the peloton you know showed them attacking getting 10 seconds mm-hmm. but the gap's three or four minutes mm-hmm. and they're flying at the front and then we didn't see him again Disappeared, yeah. and then 10 minutes later ding they just don't, they weren't in the coverage they were yeah. invisible and all of a sudden the next shot is at the back of the bunch and oh they've made it baby Giro, we had all of our team plus two riders from a couple of other teams going through and off on the final stage into a headwind going 50k an hour as hard as they could and the break of four riders was go the, the the time gap was going up yeah that doesn't make much sense doesn't make it doesn't make sense tailwind it was a headwind at this point headwind yeah that, okay that makes even yeah. less sense but the guys who are on the front they know what they're, they're racing against these guys yeah i mean look bob was fifth in three stages lucas won a stage these are the guys who are riding on the front yeah and the time gap is going up yeah the guys in the breakaway yeah so yeah it's, it's, it's frustrating yeah can't really what can you do yeah yeah luke lamperty luke lamperty every time he wins i put the hat on 
If oh, you, yeah, if you yeah. Me, yeah. He sent me the photo. Yeah, the little Portuguese trumby yeah. thing. That he what gave a year he's had. It's one of my favourite things in my house. I haven't got much. <laughs> I haven't got any items itemised on the household insurance because I have nothing of any value. Mm, put Actually, I've got my grandmother's dining room table that uh, I've somehow inherited, and that's probably worth a few grand. This nice antique. So I do need to thank you. You've remind. Well, I've reminded myself. I need to itemise that on the household insurance. Yeah. And there's nothing much in well, my house. John's that I would got a nice table as well. John Mould. A marble table. He's got a marble top yeah. table. She got him on the pod, didn't we? Well, tell us a marble <laughs> top table. He? he was telling us, where did he win it? Some race in, in Northern France, France. Yeah. And John Herity wanted it. So it's just... <laughs> <laughs> he was given it for his race win. For his race win, yeah. How'd you get... That's right up there with Robbie McEwen's bull, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he finally got it home and just sits in his garage because it's too heavy to put anywhere in his house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand, but yeah. <laughs> But Luke, yeah, God, that day he gave me the hat, he got so much swag on the... Because he had all the jerseys as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. All the jerseys, yeah. plus the stage win. So he took the whole lot, basically, off the podium. Coffee, coffee... What happened to the coffee machine? Oh, we've still got it, use it on the camper. Have you got the we Portuguese bought, bu- uh, the pods? Yeah, we bought, like, 500 pods for, like, 15 euro or something. Yeah. we still got, like, 100 left. Good. Like the best. Because there was the a lot of discussion ever. about that, wasn't there? there like was. We've got to get enough before we leave Portugal mm-hmm. because there's only one, like, doesn't, it's not transferable system. Yeah, yeah. You no, won't be able to stuff we, you Jacob to. went to the shop, bought, yeah. Bulk, <laughs> bulk bought these Delta coffee pods. Yeah. It's still going strong. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, talking of nutrition, um, let's just have a little break. I'm not able to join Ned and Pete as they regale the British National Championships with their presence. The reason I'm not there is because I'm headed to Alpe d'Huez to take part in the Marmotte Fondo, another bonkers big bike ride. This is part of my 2023 back on the bike mission, and being healthy is the key to me getting fit. And never strays far partner, AG1, has become an integral part of my upgraded healthy routine. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. It's one scoop of powder that easily dissolves in water. I take it first thing every morning. It's how I start every day. I've always been terrible at maintaining a supplementary routine, yet with AG1, it's made easy. Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut health, mood support, and boosted energy. AG1 was designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. It replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more with one simple, drinkable habit. My AG1 is delivered to me every single month, and for trips like this weekend away, I have single-serving AG1 travel packs, so I never miss a day. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash neverstraysfar. That's drinkag1.com forward slash neverstraysfar. Check it out. David Miller. Yeah. How much have you missed David Miller? A lot, actually. He's all right, isn't he? Yeah. He's a good bloke. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. He's a good bloke. Haven't seen him in ages. Yeah. When was the last time you saw him? So I saw him fairly recently in London. Was it the tour last year? No, really? Was it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> the cyclocross race. The cyclocross in November. Yeah, God. 
swimming in the main What's happened channel. since then? I've still got that score. Look, it's awful. Oh, yeah. What was that from swimming? Yeah. Getting cut on that? Because it was that cold you didn't realise <laughs> where the rocks were. <laughs> I can't believe we're going to be back in this car. I very, know. very soon. I'm, so, I'm excited to tell the listeners who the random guests might be. But I we can't, can't wait. We, we can't do it. Yeah. I think the first it one... It slipped, didn't it, in a, one of our previous pods? Did it? Oh, well, I've glossed over that because yeah. I can't say it again because it's, it's been embargoed. But yeah, the, the first guest in particular, I is a, is a, I think we can say it as an ex-rider. Yeah. But I've only ever encountered this ex-rider, actually, on a couple of occasions. I'm going to give you a little hint here. Um, yeah, I mean, I've encountered him often because I've interviewed him often when he was racing. Um, and once I took a, a bus back from the, you know, the big um, presentation of the route of the Tour de France in November every year. You probably never went to it. No, wasn't it wasn't <laughs> big not, enough. Not enough of a hitter. Not, for, not the, enough. The, of the hitters go. Yeah. And he was Suits. he was a hitter, this guy. And um, he, he'd he been invited to that at the Palais des Congrès in November. And I'd been there for various reasons. And I then had to get a flight out of Charles de Gaulle. And I got the bus from the Palais des Congrès to Charles de Gaulle. And this big hitter rider the bus was about to leave got on the front of the bus with some randomly carrying some wheels and sat next to me and I went are you not getting a taxi or anything like that or a team car and he goes and he said no it's cheaper to get the bus <laughs> <laughs> I might remind him of that the same person also was on the boat back from Corsica when the Tour de France started there with my mum and dad no way just sat there and conversated with them yeah. really yeah, apparently yeah. had he retired by then I think he was racing Oh, wow. He was racing. Was he? Yeah. 2013. 13, yeah. Yeah, yeah don't tell me about that Corsica crossing. That was oh, cool. yeah, yeah, big story, yeah, that. Big isn't story. Um, yeah, so so, yeah, 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 I'm excited yeah. for the tour. Yeah. I feel, honestly... It's going to be nice for you to actually break away from... Because you love this job and you're really good yeah. at it. But it's full on, isn't it? It's full what? on. But the tour is in, in a completely different way. Yeah. You have to be... like, It's quite... <laughs> it's a completely different different stress. Yeah, isn't it? You, honestly, I mean, when I watch you or listen to you bring in the first sprint or the first stage or whatever it is, yeah, you are on your A game there, isn't it? For you, that's like in comparison to Mark Cavendish going there. Because I notice it in your voice; it's like you have arrived at the tour, and I feel like you raise your game with the first stage of the tour. Do you? I probably shouldn't say it or admit to it, but I think the tour just towers above absolutely everything else in the sporting calendar, in the cycling calendar. I mean, just uh, just puts everything else into the shade. Let's be honest. It does. It's so much bigger. It's so much bigger. And instead of, you know, most bike races are watched in this country, a television audience, you know, and the, you can count them sometimes in the tens of thousands, even big bike races. Yeah. The Tour de France gets audiences that touch and exceed a million. The difference is absolute night and day. So a lot of the commentary work that I do throughout the year is, uh, if I'm honest, in with one eye, and um, I do my, the best I can, I do the best I can, but I'm also thinking about how it's got a peak for the Tour de France. Yeah, and yeah. it's the same for me. You want to bring your A game, and you, you know, not necessarily overthink it, but you get yourself up for when you have to go and set afterwards, and you want to yeah. say the right thing. You want yeah. to come across well, because the audience is that big. Yeah. You know, you don't want to sound or look like an idiot. And Have you got a... You don't have to say what it is, but I always think it's really difficult, the job you do, because... You're going to be asked some question like, you know, like Gary will find a really clever and interesting way of asking the question. But ultimately, the question will boil down to who do you think is going to win the Tour de France? You know, before anyone's started, any, you know, before the race has got underway. And it, it's, how do you answer that? Because it's either Vingegaard or Pogaccia. How do you even I you honestly know, construct find myself, an interesting... Yeah, you have to construct an interesting answer. Yeah. But 
honestly on TV, I find myself going for like someone like that's like the underdog. Yeah, just to say that, it. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So have you picked your little clever, smart, I interesting about thing to it say? One bit. I go home for three days after this, and that's when I'm going to start my Tour de France prep. Yeah. Get my wardrobe sorted. Make sure the hair's on point. Yeah. Do a bit of research on who's riding and yeah. you know, who's at, yeah, who's even gonna be in the race. Yeah. Have yeah. a look at the stages. Yeah. And just do three days of like solid yeah. That's when I treat it like a job a bit, you know, and sort of go there with at least some knowledge of what's going on. So <laughs> up until now I haven't really looked at it like what one yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's gonna come down to those two, isn't it? Well, let's not go into punditry mode. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we were there, were yeah. we? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of will, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen much of Cav? He picked me up from the airport. Did he? Yeah. Well, uh, out of the kindness of his heart. Tuesday. Wednesday when I got home after the time trial. How did that happen? He's home training. Yeah. And he was on a rest day. Right. He just gets really bored, I think. Right. Agitated. Oh, do you want to lift from the airport? And uh, he's honestly... Every time he's home, he always offers me a lift, to be fair to him. Very when kind. he's in the Isle of Man, by and large, Peter and the kids aren't there. Rather. Yeah. Like that, so he he's a bit home alone, so he's a bit yeah, stir-crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, he picked me up. Um, it was just after school pick-up time, actually, so it was... Oh, is that when you sent the picture? Andy, like, yeah, with the, with the post box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, he honestly, he is on good form. Is he? Yeah. He uh, seems just like... He's buzzing for it. Uh, and he was just joking with me, actually. He wouldn't mind me saying that... Netflix, I think, were overdoing some filming or going to be, and that they couldn't get to any other riders because they were on high-altitude camps. <laughs> and he's just at home with barely a training program, training with Sam Brandon, local riders. It's and it's completely backwards to what every other rider preparing for the tour is doing. But, but it's so Mark Cavendish. I, I was going to say... Back to his roots, isn't it? Increasingly, that's just that's just him yeah. in his final year. It's, it's like hanging out more and more, isn't it? Like, this kind of... I'm just going to do it my way now. Yeah. Just going to do it my way. It's interesting that they've hired Mark Renshaw, Renshaw, haven't they? Yeah. Astana. <laughs> Maybe it's to have someone who's not Cav to sort of look at it, you know, from a different perspective and deliver yeah. it to the riders. You know, rather than Cav saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. If there's someone external who's not in the race yeah, that can, you know, organise it and offer advice more diplomatically. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's just not sure they've got the riders to, 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 to you know, Mark, I think he's going to have his work cut out, kind of like. I think it will help having Renshaw there on the bus beforehand. Will it? Meetings yeah. before the sprint days in the evenings. Yeah. To really, because, you know, it's, it's for the riders to, to, to hear it, because you can't just take it for granted that you can just turn up on a tour, Tour de France stage mm. and do an amazing lead out just because Cav's there. So if he can really, you know, in detail, go through with what they need to do and where they need to be, it just it might be like minute things, but it can make it can make the world a difference. Yeah, yeah. You've been to Bilbao before? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's nice. Got a story attached to it or not? Yeah, me and Stanard are flying back from the Vuelta, um, and our flight was delayed, so we decided to go out for lunch in Bilbao. And then almost missed our flight back home. So we just checked out, basically. Yeah. It's just Hand a luggage. really lovely place to go out for lunch, isn't it? So, oh, the food's I'm so good. I love Bilbao. Crosswind Stan was in touch. 
He's not, oh, yeah? yeah, he's working for ASO. He's doing some weird gig for ASO. And he said, when are you going to be there? Can we all meet up? He wants to go out for lunch or dinner or something like that. Does he? Yeah. Crosswind, cool. so, yeah. Oh, the Tour de France, eh? Everyone gets involved, Everyone, yeah. meets up. McQuaid's going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, what? it's going to be good. What, what else is there? That's it, is it? Um, what have you been doing? Oh, thanks, Pete. Publicising my book. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's got a lot of heat at the minute, hasn't it? It's going all right. It's going really yeah. well. Yeah. People have been lovely about it. Really? Oh, I'm so I'm so invested in it. It's just well, I I spoke to David about it on the previous pod we did, um, but it's meant the world to me. There's nothing more frightening than the amount you pour into a book. It's like it's not like, but it's I'm clutching at straws here. But maybe you can identify with this. You know, your biggest target in your racing career yeah. might have been the I don't know your first your debut at the tour. Mm-hmm. What can you do at that race to get Froome over the line and help to win? It's like that, and it's like it, it's like rolling out on stage one thinking yeah this is it this is it this is what i've been building to and honestly in my career to date this has been the biggest thing i listened but to I'm the voiceover you did yeah that was nice yeah just yeah i and i don't i'm not it's not a shred of exaggeration either like i know broadcasting career is kind of what i suppose people associate m- me with and you know making the transition into replacing phil as the commentator and stuff like that but this is too this is just so personal yeah a- and raw and um and then you put it out there and also because it's not a funny book mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of the stuff i've written before is a bit never straight for but like you playing, can just playing for laughs yeah so people just kind of like have been nice about what i've written before but they haven't taken in a it way it's seriously. like you're exposing yourself a bit to uh, to a lot yeah so the, which the, is so in yeah, it's been i think it's being reviewed in the observer tomorrow it's been reviewed in the times in the telegraph and it's going to be reviewed in the times literary supplement so almost all of a sudden i'm being held to a much higher standard of writing and so like when the reviews come out and like the telegraph was a big page review a whole page yeah it's like well, like because they don't pull their punches these guys and you're playing with the big boys sort of thing a little bit so it's been terrifying even just talking about the standard of writing yeah yeah, it's been it's been a real, but people have been absolutely lovely about it so far. So it's Brilliant. landed well, and yeah. it's, and it's, it's gonna, on the Amazon charts, which I don't want people to use the Amazon charts because I don't approve of Amazon, but um, but they do reflect you know where the books, how well the book is selling. Um, it's number one in all these random um, different categories, including at the moment travel writing. It's the number one travel travel wow. book, like because there's a lot of travel log stuff and content yeah, in the yeah. book and. Um, the history of France, the history of Belgium, the history of the military warfare of World War One. It's number one in that. Uh, and it's dad, I'm going to have to get this from my dad. He'd love it. No, I'll give it, I've got a copy with me. Oh, it, give it to him. He'd love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. Um, is that what I've been doing? feels like I've been doing other stuff, but um, maybe not. No. So I've got the national sport. Um, what are the chances of... Ah, oh, it's logistics again. I wouldn't logistics. mind get jumping in the team car tomorrow oh, on one yeah. of the laps, because there's ten laps. Jump in, yeah, you can. Do you think I can? Yeah, absolutely. I'll just, uh, well, we'll liaise during the day and I'll be at the finish line. Yeah. Maybe we can just pull over and jump in. Yeah, you can, yeah. Would we'll that be that legal? Yeah. You can put in, you can stop and put whoever you want in can the you? car. Yeah, yeah. Like that time Lance Armstrong leapt out of the back of the Team Discovery team car. Did he? Have I not told you that story? No. You know when when did he stop? Before his comeback, he stopped in two th- after t- so 2006, wasn't 2006? That was too soon. But 2007, the following year, he, him and ASO had fallen out, b- 
big time, right? He was persona non grata. They didn't want his name associated with it, despite the fact that, let's face it, they'd grown the Tour de France off the back of the Armstrong yeah. name. Don't matter about that. No, no. They didn't want him anywhere near their brand. He's toxic. <laughs> but Lance is Lance, isn't he? So, mm-hmm. so, and he obviously was still connected with whatever it was called, Discovery. Discovery, yeah. So 2007, on the Champs-Élysées stage, I'm just minding my own business. You remember where the finish line used to be? Mm-hmm. And I'm just hanging around because back then I wasn't commentating, just watching the race, doing laps. And um, all of a sudden, the, I see the bunch go through. Cars coming through off the back. Discovery car pulls over to the barriers. He jumps out. <laughs> like that. And he's, they've blagged him in. He's got no accreditation. Right? He hoons over the barriers. And he's got a little fella there who takes him all the way into the American commentary box. Right? Phil and Paul. Oh, yeah. Who You know, ITV used to take the same feed as the Americans, right? Okay. So Phil and Paul was primarily, they were broadcasting for the Americans, yeah. but ITV used to take their feed as well. So all of a sudden, we're listening to commentary in the truck and Lance starts talking. Like that, they just say, well, I'm pleased to say Lance Armstrong's here. He starts oh. commentating like this. Wow. Gets about five or 10 minutes into his commentary and then boom, boom, it just goes dead, the commentary. And everyone, the doc is going, what, what's happened to the commentary? What's happened to the commentary? Like that. And it turns out that power was cut to the American truck like that Jesus. only the American truck yeah. no one else's power was cut but the American truck everything went down <laughs> it's so cycling that isn't it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah do- doesn't matter about the million people watching yeah Lance just Armstrong's. Lance Armstrong yeah, pulled the power yeah <laughs> game over <laughs> <laughs> alright then Pete well yeah, I'll let alrighty. you get back to your day job and um, this isn't the end of the pod because I'll pick it up tomorrow when we'll find out who's going to win the British National Championship road race it's not often I get out in the real world and actually meet riders these days because I'm normally just stuck in a bloody commentary booth somewhere. But um, uh, I've just had a chat with you, Owain Do. Yeah, big fan of the pod. And that was the first thing you said yeah. to me. You walked in and like without saying how are you or anything, you said just a big fan of the pod. Yeah, no, I am, honestly. Um, yeah, like I explained to you before, I'm like obviously cycling is my job, my life. So I'm always interested to, to hear other people's opinions on, on the stuff which is going on, whether that's racing, the stages. Um, tactics which are used, any stuff like that I'm always interested in, yeah, taking in as much knowledge as I can, so I enjoy it. It's good listening to, I, I mean, well, David, David's quite good at that, to be fair, I mean, he's like, he's, he's a bit of a racer back in the day, but also, yeah, pizza, I mean, I'm just, I'm just sort of like coasting along listening to those two, but it's great to listen to them, isn't it? Yeah, but, but even some of your observations are good, I think that's, that's why... I think everyone can look at racing from a different way and spot other things which maybe people, other people don't spot. Um, something which may be obvious to an ex-professional is maybe then overlooked. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good mix. But also, that's, that's, a, that's a road racing story, isn't it? Because, like, in other sports, I mean, I don't know how much you follow other sports, but I used to work in football. Yeah. You know, you kind of like, football's a very well-understood game, yeah. isn't it, by and large, by billions of people across yeah. the world. And it's enclosed in a stadium, and you can kind of see it all yeah. on the telly. Even with the best coverage in the world, and we're about to go to the Tour de France, and that is yeah. the best coverage in the world. So much of it's like the tip of the iceberg, yeah. and the iceberg is the race. Yeah. And even you, if you're in the race, you're only seeing a slither of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's like even when I'm in a race, like like uh, say the Dauphiné, for example. When you guys were speaking about that, there's only so much of it, the race I actually see because to a certain point on a hilly day, I'll get dropped. So yeah. then it's it's a good way of actually hearing a different perspective of actually what happened in the race, and then. You know, for me, then sometimes I can gauge of, okay, this probably going to go like this tomorrow, or this is going to be the situation, and yeah, just try and take in as much information as possible. I never thought that actually <laughs> people in the race were listening. Um, talking of the Dauphiné, you guys, you boys were flying there, weren't you? 
Yeah, it was, it was okay. Um, I think Richard probably would have wanted to be a bit better than he was. The guys had... I'm not sure what happened on the last day. Um, lost a bit of time, but uh, yeah, generally in the Dauphiné we had a good little group, so and it's been a good year for us as a whole at EF. So. Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we talked about this on the pod. I mean, Car- Richard Carapaz, you're talking about, he had a kind of like a bit of an up, down, up, down, yeah. down. Like, it was a bit disappointing, I guess, because um, I... Like loads of faith in him. I still yeah. think he's going to come good at the Tour de France, and I kind of, Fingers I think crossed. for the, I think for the, for the benefit of the Tour de France as a spectacle, I think we need, you need specifically a, him. Yeah, you need a third antagonist, really, don't you? Otherwise, I mean, he's that guy, uh, isn't he? Yeah, he's definitely the guy. Um, you know, he's done it before, and racing with him is, is a cool experience, also, because even if he knows he's not on. 100 form he's still willing to take risks and take yeah. the race on like at the stage in the Dauphiné where he, he lit it up and only Vinegard went with him and then he ended up blowing his doors off yeah, and, yeah. And, and losing time yeah, but you know he's he's still happy to, to take those risks and take it on because he's, he's a racer and he likes to race like that so yeah hopefully he's road racing needs that yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so yeah yeah has the Tour de France selection been made for your team um yeah at the minute I'm not going so uh crap yeah. yeah it's a bit annoying but I you're, can, on a, I, you're on a standby list i can you? understand why yeah i think so i think i'm one of the reserves um but yeah no I, I can understand why normally i was supposed to be going but not now so well if you're disappointed <laughs> you're wearing it well um <laughs> but we've got the nationals as well and um you've got a real chance here haven't you as a team i think one of you yeah got, got the nationals now this sunday and just had um just had a daughter so she's two months old so mate so the the benefits is I get extra time with with my daughter. So I'm is, that, happy. is that your first? Yeah. So many congratulations. Yeah. And what's what's your partner's name? Uh, Eleanor. Eleanor and your kid? August. Fantastic. Yeah, so uh, I mean, wrong because she was born two months ago. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we'll yeah. let that pass. Oh, but, brilliant. Yeah. So um, there's always positive to take from anything. So it's good. That's perspective for you. Yeah. Go well. Thanks, well. Owen. And keep listening to the pod. Yeah, always, always. <laughs> Good morning. It's the morning of the uh, National Road Race Championships. I have been awake for two and a half hours at 7.30. I woke up at five um, because, I don't know, summer. Um, also, the fact that yesterday I got so badly sunburnt doing the podcast sitting outside with Pete that my face is on fire, uh, which makes me a little bit anxious because I've got to record uh, all the opening links and bits and pieces for the highlights show uh, imminently before the race gets underway. It starts, incidentally, at 9 o'clock with the women. And then um, there is a slight bit of doubt about when the men's race might get started because it could be that the women's race will finish and then 10 minutes later the men's race will start at the same start-finish line, uh, which would be pretty bad for the guys who are doing the motos who won't get a break. So uh, that would be an intriguing one to see how that plays out. But at the moment, I'm just waiting to find out where I'm needed. And as a result, I'm sitting uh, in a hire car that I've driven up from London in the car park of a spa uh, supermarket in Saltburn. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is what I do for a living. All right, well, the women's race set off about half an hour ago, and I'm standing at the top of Saltburn Bank, which is this uh, steep little ramp. Um, that they have to get up seven times, uh, a couple of hundred metres from the finish line, as they climb away from the North Sea and into uh, Saltburn. Um, and yeah, the lead vehicles are just coming through, and it won't be long before we see the women come through for the first of seven laps. Just coming through now, and it's all together. Pretty much all together. All strung out, though, but um, looks like mostly it's one peloton. Uh, being driven on by Claire Steeles of the Israel Premier Tech team. 
I enjoyed that. Forget, don't you, what a spectacle a bike race is. Um, great to watch. Sun's still out, the breeze is getting up, and the forecast is absolutely shocking for the rest of the day. Um, I'm not going to do that for all seven laps. So um, when you listen to this podcast, there might be a bit of an edited jump now to somewhere close towards the end of the women's race. Remember, we did hear there was a split in the main field about a minute from the uh, front to the back. Alice is on the front still as they uh, drift through the line, but uh, almost riding across to her, to, to her wheel, just behind Alice, uh, leading uh, the first group on the raid. That was uh, Claire Steele, of Israel Premier Tech Roland. She was towards the front last time through as well. And here once again you can see the damage that's being done further down the field. One lap to go. There are seven riders at the front of the race with a gap of over four minutes to the chasers. And Anna Shackley, who's the only under 23 in that group, is almost assured of the under 23 title. But a bunch of other hitters uh, still in contention. Seven riders with one lap to go. But here she comes, Five for Georgie for Team DSM has conquered Salt Burbank for the final time. Your new national champion is Five for Georgie! Second place across the line, taking the silver medal for Claire Steeles. Here comes Anna Henderson battling for third. Once again, she'll take the bronze medal. I just want to say I love your commentary. Thank you. I love your podcast. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. That's very kind. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's a lovely day. Isn't it? Long, but it's a good day. It's a good day. Cheers, mate. Well, basically, I kind of missed the beginning of the men's race because uh, I was eating a scotch egg in uh, in the prawn sandwich sort of hospitality suite, uh, talking to someone very high up in Scottish cycling. An incredibly important discussion. And as a result, I, I barely saw the uh, men's peloton roll off at two o'clock in the afternoon, but I'm now seeing them come through there, uh, having completed their first lap. And uh, they're just coming around the corner in front of me. It's one of the riders from DSM on the front. And a little breakaway group, including Stevie Williams by the looks of it. And uh, is that Simon Carr? Oh, I do. Yeah, a few of the Ineos riders. So there's about 10 riders off the front. And here comes the bunch with Trinity Racing riding on the front. Actually, that's a second group, so it's in bits already. Looks, judging by their expressions, to have been quite hard. Here comes the Fred Wright group now. This is the main peloton. And those uh, few attack groups, those little groups off the front, weren't more than a handful of seconds off the front. So nothing definitive has gone yet after 18 kilometres. Just retired to the car. It's three fifty no three thirty-five in the afternoon. I've come back to the car. 
which are parked in the uh, little parallel streets, side street. Absolutely exhausted. Um, and the race is long. It's still going to be uh, three and a half hours of racing. Um, so I have no idea what's happening. I've probably missed them coming through a couple of times. Uh, and I've just had a little bit of a nap. I'm going to go to Sainsbury's and get a lolly. No, I'm going to get probably... Yeah, the ice lolly, really. I don't want any ice cream, just an ice lolly. I've woken up with a bit of a thirst. Maybe a twister. Um, or... Actually, you don't really get ice lollies in the way that you used to when we were kids. Just plain lemonade flavour or cola flavour. They were the best. Cola. Cider flavour lollies. They were quite big back in the day. So I'd like a lolly. Um, then I'm going to go back to the race. Um, it's been nice, actually, because there's big crowds here in Saltland today, and... Um, quite a number of people have stopped me to s- with copies of my book with 1923 that I only just had for a few days saying that they've either read it or they're about to read it and Caroline if you're listening I signed the first ever or you presented me with the first ever book of 1983 in the wild uh, that I'd seen and it's always quite thrilling for any writer actually when, when you see that um, and I got a, a nice little uh, write up in the Observer this morning uh, just to start my day off, uh, only a little thing, but it was, you know, uh, it's the observer, and it said a lovely, a lovely meditation on the passing of time, and echoes of history. Right, lollipop, and then what's happening in the bicycle race? So five laps remaining, halfway through, and there are six leaders off the front, and uh, I've made contact with Pete in the race, who's driving the Trinity car, and if it's possible, I'm going to jump in the car with him, do a lap. How good is that? Relive the old days, like it's Portugal, except it's not. It's uh, Cleveland. Oh, he's got a rider in the front group. He's got one of his riders in the front group. Oh, there they are, there they are. There he is. Didn't see you. Let's Thought you were off the back. Let's go, let's go. Huh, who's your rider at the front? Got two. You got two at the front? Yeah. <laughs> There's only six riders up there. I know. 33% Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> Who are they? Matt and Ollie. Feeling so relaxed. Pizza? Yep. Don't pizza. Side of the road. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Need to keep driving it for now, Max. Is everyone working well together? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, just keep driving it. Just keep riding. Keep riding, yeah. And then see what see happens. see what happens to the gap then, okay? Yeah. But for now, you got to commit. This is the race, okay? And then guys, if there's strong guys behind, they'll only come across, but at least you're in the race now. Yeah, can I have a couple of gels? Yeah. Max, epic stuff, mate. Yeah. Unbelievable, honestly. Couldn't be any better. Okay, Tracy, thank you. That's enough. Alright, boys. How are you Alright, Sam. That's great. Just saying hello to my friends from the hey, media. Sorry, all right, media. Just go t- yeah. do, you want a, do you want a slice of pizza? <laughs> this is 50, 50 oh. seconds. 50 yeah. seconds. It's come down a bit. So was it 120? 120. He's just handed the pizza over to the Richardson Trek team. That's just rude. So we've, we've pulled over to the side now. You heard it on the radio. It's Martin Bridgewood just telling everyone the six cars behind the lead group to pull so over. third group coming up here. This is one we're going to slot in behind, I think. This is Ben Tulit. Go on, Luke, lad. And Luke Rowe. <laughs> you alright Luke? Hey, Good to be back. Yeah, I miss this. <laughs> Some sportique this, isn't it? <laughs> alright, we're coming to the end of my lap. I'm going to jump out and let John back in. But that was brilliant. I picked the right lap. 
they're still out there. Trinity boys, the gap's about 43 seconds with four laps to go. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Ned. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. I'll bail out now. Here they come with a lap to go, and there's a group of three, Stevie Williams, James Knox, and Fred Wright, and they've got a, a lead of about six or seven seconds over Owen Duell and Sam Watson and Connor Swift. Has been dropped. 18K to go. And that is the sound of a Vauxhall. What is this? A Vauxhall what? Vauxhall Keith, I thought we decided. Vauxhall Keith, that's right, a Vauxhall Keith. It's a Corsa, but you said it was called a Keith. I said, what kind of car are you hired? You said, I don't know, it's a car kind of car. It's a car shaped car. We're in a car. It's, this is it. The Tour de France is nearly about to happen. So this is like Never Stray's car, but not Never Stray's car. It's like Never Stray's far, but almost car. Never Stray's Keith. Never Stray's Keith, we'll call this one as a one-off. In fact, that's literally what I'm going to call it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not driving, which is great. Um, but the, the voice alongside me that you just heard the belongs husky to... Husky voice. The husky <gasps> And this voice as well. <laughs> yeah, that's less husky. Um, these two people along, uh, who are in my hired Vauxhall Keith are... Uh, respectively, the last person you just heard from, Becca Wright and Phil Wright. And if that name, that surname, resonates in any sense, if it doesn't resonate, what have you been listening to for the past 48 minutes or whatever this podcast lasts? Um, because I have, uh, I, I offered these guys a lift because we live quite close Very to one another. Because we weren't going to come. We were like, it's too far. And because you offered the lift, oh, let's come. I'm flipping out. We owe you a lot, God. Well, not at all. I owe you. You're driving, which is excellent. So I'm able to put... But anyway, what... Becca, how was it for you? It was very tense and very nerve-wracking, but just so brilliant. I was shaking and crying at the end. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. He did so well. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you are that, that you are, and I, so, so don't, please don't take this in the wrong way, but both of you are classic cycling parents in the sense that all throughout Fred's junior years and stuff, you've been schlepping up and down motorways, going to races, having you supporting, by the side of the road, doing this, that, and that. And now he's a top, top pro. You're still doing it. I saw you on the Tour de France last year, twice or three times. Do you know, it was really nice to be back, actually, because the thing, great thing about the National Championships is all the parents are there, or a lot of the parents. And the great thing about it, it's not a sacrifice when you, you grow up with taking kids to cycling, because it's such a great social scene. You get to know everybody. And we spent the whole day today with Will Roberts's mum and dad, um, Shazza and Alex. It was great. I haven't seen them for ages. The Pink Cocks. We saw the pig cocks, it was like the old days, it was great, it was wonderful, really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a long time waiting for Fred to get this first victory, isn't it? It's weird. When he was, um, what race was I commentating on recently where Fred was in? Because I get so confused. Was he at the Dauphiné? He was at the Dauphiné. Is a chance in the Dauphiné? Comedy. He got on a break, he got on a break, I think, on a day. And I had to do, it's one of those commentator things, you have to do a double, cha- double take and go, I just got to double check that he hasn't won a race. So it must be something really obvious that I've forgotten. And of course, until today, he hadn't. I'm, I know, I'm so, re- the relief, I could see the emotion at the end, of course, for Gino, but also just because it's his first win. I've, it, and that means that the people on Twitter won't have to keep going, oh, Fred, yes, second again. <laughs> he won! <laughs> Stick that, people on Twitter. <laughs> St- 
big. <laughs> the thing is as well, that's worth saying to all the people on Twitter, he doesn't do many small races. So it's quite hard to win the bike races that he does, you know. So when he, so it's a bit weird from us as parents because so he's yeah. been winning since he was 12. You know, we don't see him as someone who doesn't win bike races. It's just, it was the pro thing. And because he went to Bahrain, he's been just doing top, top, top races. So, you know, it's... Um, it was never a worry for me that he was going to win eventually. Left here, Left south, here. south, mate, London. South, south. Yeah. <laughs> Scared his hell hole. No, no, can't say that. No, I don't no, mean you that. did I say it. Oh, that's awkward. Oh, yeah. Phil, we've just had such an amazing time. Yeah. Salt burn by the sea. <laughs> was say that salt burn was fantastic. What a great place to watch a bike race. The view on top of the hill from the Spa Hotel. The Spa Hotel who let us leave our bags in there every second. Never stories far. Sponsored by the Spa Hotel. Oh, the Spa Hotel. Salt burn. A really big thank you to. A really big thank you to Karen at the Spa Hotel yes. who, <laughs> who looked after our bags. Amazing woman. Excellent. Well, now we've got that done. Yeah. <laughs> but it was such a great view, to the, the, the location. The fact you could see them coming down the hill, it was so exciting. Did you know on that front, so what happened in the bike race? Because obviously from my hopeless edit, you haven't got a clue unless you saw it, what got done on the bike race. But what happened, I think, was that on the final 5-6K, on a bit of a descent, Fred decided to leave James Knox and Steve Williams and open up a 10-second gap that he took onto that final climb. So did you know that he was already off the front on his own at that point? Um, no, I think we did because there was a guy, I, it was that thing where you got three people's phones and you're going from one to the other. <laughs> and I found that the phone I liked the best was the phone that belonged to a guy where he did that. Becker's phone was a bit delayed, I think, so he hadn't done that on your phone. So I didn't know, actually, because we were right by the finish and we saw him go, oh, sorry. Carl, oh, it's Carl from the track. Yeah, Carl yeah. Ison. We'll come back to Carl Ison, sorry <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, so I think I did know, but I was... You, you, you play safe as a parent because there's so many you, you want to try and avoid disappointment for yourself so I was telling myself that they're both climbers he's probably not going to do it so I was amazed when he when he left him I must say I wasn't yeah so you say uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's really easy because I'm not a parent but yeah. I, I I felt all day that Fife Georgie was going to win the women's race and she did in, in not dissimilar fashion actually because they're not dissimilar riders in their own ways um, yeah, and they're just yeah. strong they're just strong the pair of them and Fred's just strong and it was talking to James Knox and Stevie Williams afterwards it was quite revealing because they just went what can you do you know we both knew there was we had limited options against Fred he was clearly the strongest in that group and he just uh, he smashed it to bits so there you go yeah Excellent. And now, and now he's going to wear the stripy jumper. That's the best thing because it's so hard when you're a parent spotting your son in the spotting your son or daughter in the peloton. So now he's going to be really obvious, you know, because the Bahrain kit's quite good. But I think they're switching to white, aren't they, for the tour? Um, and there's a lot of white kits, so we could just look for the stripy jersey. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no, no mistaking him for Jack Haig. No mistake, no. <laughs> which is your speciality. You can't, yeah, is that my son or is that Jack oh, Hay? <laughs> then I realise it's the top of a mountain. It can't be Fred. It's got to be Jack Hay. I'm such an optimist. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, I should explain for the Never Stress Far listeners um, a couple of things, actually. One, Becker is a leading casting director in yes. the country for TV. So if you need any TV work casting, uh, you know, on the off chance, then Becker's your, your, your go-to person. And Phil is, a, is an actor, which means that he has... It's, there's time occasionally in his calendar to go to some of these bike races. Is that fair? I do think that has been a major factor in why I've enjoyed cycling parenting so much. Gave me something to do with my free time. Recently turned down for a serial killer. Yeah. Well, no, you got to the. You, you're almost in the final selection of three, weren't you? Two, I, two. I, I think I signed a non-disclosure. Oh, okay, okay, we won't say which side. There are many dramas made about serial killers. It's yeah. absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and. Um, just with Never Stray's 
car in mind and this podcast listeners everyone I think who was with us on the journey last year will remember the roast chicken story um, oh yes what you, are you going to say about this story Ned well I, I think I don't know whether I've admitted to it in the past but I think the story is <laughs> bogus uh, in no, the sense that well we've decided it's, it's not bogus is not the right word kind of slightly economical with the truth and slightly exaggerated in a kind of Chinese whispers kind of way we thought yeah it was really strange wasn't it because you you listened to it last year the, the famous roast chicken story the, with the with the um the bombing raid and, the, the, and um yeah it was quite it was quite elaborated I, I I would admit that much but I was convinced that this was Fred's grandfather I can't remember whether I in my head it was his maternal or paternal grandfather so I don't know which of your parents it was um but it wasn't either of them and you messaged me saying you know that wasn't Fred that wasn't Fred and I felt mortified but then I thought I'm not going to admit to it because everyone enjoyed the story so much but then subsequently Becca we've kind of discovered there might be some truth to it yes we we have but that it wasn't roast chicken but it was porridge and he got back to the table full of porridge and there was glass in the porridge having come back from the Anderson shelter so it was Fred it was Fred's granddad it was Fred's granddad no chicken but also no chicken just porridge just porridge no chicken just porridge but also your impersonation of Fred Rice's granddad oh yeah yeah a bit like that two two things you was going like it's Fred Rice's granddad (laughs) hard of chicken I like (laughs) and actually my dad did come from the East End granted but he went to Oxford University and he came out not talking like that he's quite posh and he's a poet which we think you heard the story in one of his poems I think I did which I put online but I was saying that I went to my dad's cousin's Tommy's funeral God rest his soul lovely fella he was a West Ham fan and all my dad's relatives they all do speak like that and if there had been chicken on the table they would have talked like that so it's kind of true-ish and it's one of those things that will just like I think it'll just pass as true for future generations, you know. Uh, Fred goes on to become one of the greatest riders in the history of the sport. You know, people go, yeah, and do you know what happened to his granddad <laughs> back in the <laughs> Yeah. And no one will bother fact-checking. It'll be in yeah. his Wikipedia page before too long. So, Perhaps ne- you should cut this bit out then. We should keep it as a... Yeah. Back in the yeah. yeah, it's all right. They're, never strays far. Listeners know how to deal with stuff that isn't true. Um, <laughs> ro- roll, roll with it. Um, right, many, many congratulations oh, to the entire you. Wright family. And th- thank you, Ned and ITV4, for getting us up here in the car, because we wouldn't have come if it hadn't been for you. So thank you so much. Pleasure.